when we began the first podcast, yep. obviously I didn't quite anticipate how well it would go. It, it went really well. And I'm so glad that we're doing a part two because of two reasons. Firstly, obviously people loved the first one. But secondly, I feel like we left things a bit incomplete yep. in the sense that we left it at arguably quite a pivotal moment, I think, for you in the sense that it was 2019. We we're going into lockdown. Mm -hmm. And of course, you were leaving or ending Genuine Solutions. Correct. Talk us through the journey from that and obviously going to lockdown. What was sort of what, what, what was going on? Let me tell you how it actually started. So ending or stopping or finishing Genuine Solutions wasn't planned at the time it was planned. And I go back. So, you know, me and my partner were partners since 2006. We went through good bits, bad bits, you know, you, as you can imagine, it's a startup business, you, 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 you're developing. Mm -hmm. And we were also establishing our own strengths and weaknesses within this relationship. It's a yin and a yang. Um, I think 2017, around 2017, the relationship started breaking down. What I thought and what I felt the direction of the business could and should be was different to what he wanted to do. And there was, an, you know, an undoubted a change of vision. There was there was a disparity before we were on a mission to do what we were doing and now we'd achieved a lot we bought our building we won the queen's award we've done we've done lots of amazing things and i think 2017 the sort of direction changed um his vision changed my vision changed and i think we became a bit we weren't on the same page all the time most of the time but not all the time and it caused a bit of friction i think the most telling tale for me was in 2018 and a lot of people don't know what happened but in 2018, um, I've got two boys at home, and uh, it was in the summer. Um, they were still in school, but they had activities week. So my wife says, look, the boys are going away for a week. We've got a week on our own. I thought, this is amazing. Like, listen, this doesn't happen. You know, there were two young it's boys. It's really rare, yeah. You know, it's yeah. very rare, and they're going away with the school, yeah. both on the same week. I thought, it's fantastic, <laughs> great, you know. Yeah. This is great, I'm gonna spend some chill time. You know, yeah. I'm still working, but it's nice to not have the kids for a little while. That was in 2018. And um, what happened was, on that Saturday, I went out. So it's a friend's 40th birthday party at a, at a golf club. We went out and I won't say it was a boozy event. So I had three, four pints of, and I was drinking Guinness at the time and I, you know, nothing wasn't crazy going out like I've been going yeah. out, right? Sunday morning, I was like, don't feel too good. You know, stomach's not all the, in, in the right place. You know, it doesn't feel right. And I thought, listen, you've had, you know, three or four pints. It might be yeah. something like that. You know, yeah. listen, just run with it. And I felt like no better way of explaining it than constipated. Monday morning came and and I was in a bit of discomfort, but I went to work. And I thought nothing of it. I thought, listen, it's just probably you've eaten something dodgy or you've had a few pints, but, you know, maybe it wasn't, they weren't great pints. Maybe it's something just off. Yeah. And I thought nothing of it. And, it, and I had this pain in my stomach. I was like, oh, this, is, this is like stomachache. You know, come on, get a grip and get it on. And he got progressively worse. On Monday night, I'm in a bit of agony. So I was like, listen, this is not right. I'm really not, this is like real painful. In the middle of the night, I'm up, I'm downstairs in my gym, walking and jogging, trying to think that if it's like constipation or it's a bit of a pain, I can run it off, loosen my body and it, I'll be fine. No, no, on Monday night, I'm up all night and I, uh, whatever I did, didn't work. You know, usual Gaviscon, take this tablet, take that Windy's. I've done it all, done the whole thing. Tuesday morning, I'm in agony. Like, first thing I've woken up, I'm in absolute pain. I've gone downstairs and I said, Luke, this is not right. Something's not great. And I feel horrible now. Now it's really, like, not feel. So she called the doctor and the doctor came round. And he's doing the usual prodding and thing or whatever. And uh, he goes, look, I'm going to refer you straight away. Go to uh, the hospital. There's another hospital. He said, go there. Uh, see my specialist. He's a stomach whatever specialist and he will sort it out. It could be your appendix. You know, it's not, we don't know what it is, but just go and get it referred. And I'm now keeling over. And I'm wow. like, this is really painful. But I'm still coherent. I'm still talking and I'm like, yeah. this is, but like, someone's really giving you a good sucker punch, right? I've got there and he's gone, look, you know, this doesn't feel like the appendix. So we've literally, this is at nine, eight thirty, nine o'clock in the morning. My doctor's at my house. Uh, I'm in the car. I'm, in the front seat for the best part of it and lose driving and we drove there and I've been seen straight away and he's gone, look, this doesn't feel right. Actually, this doesn't feel right at all. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna get you admitted. 
straight away. Oh wow! Okay. So I'm like, this is this is is this a bit too far? Is this not like you know this is a bit of constant? You know, no, this is this is not right. And now at this point, I'm like really in agony, and I'm like. Jesus Christ. We're at um, Gillette Corner in Isleworth. That's where the clinic was. That's where the hospital was. And he went, what I want you to do is go straight down the A4 and get yourself at the Cromwell. They'll be waiting for you. Um, and you're going to get checked in straight away. We want to check this out because this, right. if, it's, if it is your appendix or whatever it is, it could be, you need to get onto it straight away. I'm in the car and I've had to be in the back. I'm cute. I'm in agony. Oh, I'm man. like this. I'm in the back seat. I'm like this. Had you ever been in that pain before? Like, Never. Right. And I'm like, I'm in absolute agony. So we've got there, Lou's got there and literally gone into reception and it's a busy hospital and I'm checked in, literally in, at done. And within space of hours, I've got consultants, they're going, we're checking, they've done the scans, they've done x-rays, they've done an MRI, they've done a CAT scan. They're like, we don't know what it is. Still? Don't know what it is. Are we still so, in pain? You were still? I'm in absolute agony. So they, they've given me an IV, they've given me drugs, um, they're giving me, uh, you know, um, everything that they think they could give me to sort of ease off the pain. Now, I've not been to the loo, full stop. Number one, number two, nothing. nothing uh, nothing's moving. So now they're concerned. They're saying, look, you're not even going for it. We're, fluid, we're fluiding you up. You know, you're, you're taking on saline, the whole lot. You're not, this is a problem for us. For the next 12 hours, they're all, I'm in an R-ring, and they're saying, we were discussing it internally, and we, we, we might need to do exploratory surgery. And I'm like, horrific. I'm like, I'm in agony now. Now I'm, yeah. I'm in absolute pain. Wednesday morning, they're talking about, open me up and see what's going on, because they don't know what it is. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. And they're drugging me like heavy. Thursday, I'm seeing the light. I can feel a bit better. So right. uh, e things are easing off and they're obviously giving me some serious amount of drugs, blah, blah, blah. Your kids, had they, they were still on that They're still on trip. our trip. So Lou's, yeah, my, yeah. Lou, my, me, my, you know, me and Lou's ideas, she's now- This dream rubbing, week. She's yeah. now <laughs> rubbing back and forth to the yeah, hospital, yeah, yeah, worried yeah. as hell. There's a sign on the door because they thought it was an infection. So oh, wow. no one could come. No one could visit, oh, it was man. just her. Um, so it was a big sign on certain infectious, uh, yeah, yeah. do not enter, blah, blah, blah. Um, and they're drugging me heavy to, you know, the antibiotics and the drugs to whatever infection it is, or whatever it is, they're trying to kill it. They have the, an infection rate. So when they took my blood and they, they monitored, and they said it was off the chart, the infection rate in my blood and the way they, however the doctors do it, they said, you, you came in and it went, bosh, you were, you know, real. So it, it was an infection. It was, it was an infection. It was an infection. And then, very quickly, within 48 hours, I started recovering very well. I was like, listen, I'm so much better. So, mm -hmm. so much better. And they, they, they literally pumped me with everything. And then I think it was probably Wednesday where I'd, I'd lost it. I'd said, I've had enough. The pain was that bad, I could have just given up. What do you mean by giving up? I'd just, I'd, anything to get rid of it. I was like, listen, this is enough. And it was that much, it was that knotted pain in your gut that I was like, listen, I can't do it. I was in tears. I was absolutely in bits. Absolutely in bits. I got out of it Thursday, Friday. Consultants were very happy with the progress, had another MRI, cats, cat. they'd done the whole lot again. Yep, it definitely was an infection. And then I said, look, I want to go home because I can't, I, I'm, I'm staring, I'm going mad. I'm physically going mad. I don't, want to, I don't want to be here. My infection rate had dropped. It was absolutely, on, you know, absolutely fine. And they said, look, we don't recommend it, but we see you're getting better and you are better. This is on Friday, we'll assess it on Saturday. So on Saturday, the nurse comes in, and I always remember this nurse. This nurse looked after me all the way through. She said to me, you're so lucky. I said, what do you mean I'm so lucky? She goes, oh, I know I'm lucky because I'm being here and it's, it's great, you know, uh, great health care and it was great. And she went, yeah, no, you were lucky. She goes, but the consultant will explain to you what happened. Consultant comes in and he goes, right, you had sepsis. What? Yeah, you had sepsis. Obviously, we were very concerned. We have it, we were very concerned about what you were doing, and the infection had got you were you were you were in trouble. Because if you didn't come in when you did, and you'd left it another ten to twelve hours, you wouldn't be here. What was your immediate thought when you'd heard that? I, I mean, I realised I thought it was bad, but I didn't realise it was that bad. So they said, look, you'd be, you would not be here if it was within that twelve-hour window. My so now, word. So I'm sitting there going, well, listen, I know it was bad, and then on Wednesday I was like, please stop. You know when you get to that point where please stop, I'll do what, what do I need to do to make this pain stop? And he goes, yeah, so it, 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 you were infected in a big way. Now, obviously the doctors and everyone spoke to Lou about it, but they didn't want to alarm me while I'm in the bed. So it's, they were very, very good at what they did. They got it under control and, and, and here I am to tell the tale. And why am I saying this is because A, a lot of people didn't know. 
I was in hospital. A handful of people knew, i.e. My, my parents, and that's it, and my sister. Then, as I came out on Saturday, I mean, listen, I've lost a load of weight. We all go through those life moments where you know you need to change your life and this is your second chance and all the mm -hmm. rest of it. But then you take it for granted, right? Life, you know. Yeah, over time, you kind of then just forget about it and move on. It's just, yeah. Yeah. So I was at that close. But I, I remember, and, th and the reason why I say this is because this is the, the breakdown in mine and my partner's relationship. Because my partner turned around and goes, whatever you do, do not tell the staff or anyone in the business that you were sick. Why? Because he didn't want to know. He didn't want anyone to know. What then transpires afterwards, and when I started learning about this and then the whole breakdown of it, was, is because I never knew what a narcissist was. I never knew the traits. I never knew manipulation. And I didn't realise the situation I was in until I realised the situation I was in. Right, okay. I, I know exactly what you mean, yeah. So yeah. that changed everything for me. Had, had anyone ever told you this is what a narcissist does? No. You, you, you were just you were just confronted with it because 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 you don't know I what. Yeah. I was in the mix. Yeah. Me as an individual, as a person, had changed without knowing that I've changed. You know, I was a different person. In what way like, had you changed? I treated people differently, not always for the right reasons in the right way, because I thought that was the right thing to do. Right. Not always the right, right way, but I wasn't myself. And after years of being in that environment, and it's not a great environment at the best of times, and there was good times and bad times, but, you know, uh, it, it changed the way I thought. So, you know, I'm like, why should I not tell people that I've just been in hospital? What's it got to do with you? Because it was the whole control thing and everything mm -hmm. else that I learned afterwards. So fast forward, so we've had a turbulent couple of years, and, and, and I think in my mind, I'm... I'm Mentally, physically, I'm done like this situation. What, what does that do to you mentally? I mean, in, in terms of going through those last few years? Very difficult. What happened was on October the 9th at 3.30, I was in my office. That's quite precise. <laughs> and I remember it. Yeah. I will always remember this. And I was with someone. And my business partner walks in and he said, uh, you know, you knew when he had a bee in his bonnet. He's just the face and the look. And uh, he says, oh, we need to talk. I said, all right, well, we need to talk. And the next thing you know... He said, we can't do this anymore, you've got to go. I know for a fact that the story he's told people has been one or another, and I've never said nothing or corrected anyone. But at that point, at 3.30, on that day, on that Wednesday, he said to me, it's either you've got to go, I've had enough, I can't work with you. Because in the building, there would only be me that would ever argue back or have another opinion. Right. Like you have to listen to, we're partners. Yeah. And he didn't like that. Normally, I would have gone... What's the matter? Who's rattled your cage? Let's go downstairs, have a coffee and have a chat, right? Me suppressing and pacifying the situation. I went, are you sure? He went, yep, we're done, you gotta go. I went, are you sure? Yep. So I walked back into, the, into my office, put my stuff in my bag and walked out. Now on the Thursday and Friday, I was due to be off any one holiday because it was my wedding anniversary. I remember calling my wife on the way home. I said, look, it's over, it's done. I can't do it anymore couple of days, we had, we had a wedding anniversary. Everyone in the building was expecting me to be away. So everything was cool. Now you've got to bear in mind, 100 plus staff, your emails are going off, your phone's going off. You're on. You're like this all the time. Come Monday, I'm not there. What was going through your mind over that weekend? Did I throw the baby out with the bathwater? Bear in mind, the business was supposed to be built to sell. Did I just drop the clangor and go? Did I, should I just kept my mouth shut and go? But then I thought, no, I've, done, I've had enough. My soul, you know, I've sold my soul for a price, but there's a price. I'm done. I want a refund. What was that price? Time with my family, time with myself, me as a human. There's things that I would have done or not done in a different way. I made sacrifices. Sacrifices of time you can't get back. You know, when, I, when we were going on holiday as a family, I'd pick certain flights and certain days because I didn't want to be missing up with work. The, the journey was huge. It was very successful, but it took blood, sweat and tears. Would you go so far as to have any regrets? A lot. I should have, you know, you, can, you can't go back and say, well, you should have woke up and smelt the coffee a bit earlier and you could have done what you... Yes and yes and yes, but you can't. But what I did do is at the point I made that, once that decision was made for me, a lot of people thought, why did you just leave? I just didn't leave. I didn't just walk out and go 3.30 on Wednesday, Alison, I'm off, see you later, I'm, I'm, I'm out. It was... It was the culmination. It was the com yeah, absolutely. So come Monday, the whole conversation now starts now. He's expecting me to come back to work. I went, no, 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 we're done. He was actually expecting you to come back? Yeah. Despite, wow. Asking me to leave. 
Now I know. Had he ever done that before? No. Threatened it a couple of times. You know, you should go if you don't want to be here. You go and whatever. This was line in the sand situation. Now, that's October 19, and lockdown happened in March 20. Those six months for me was emotionally and mentally absolutely crazy. Because in what way? Massive adjustment. Listen, I've been in the industry for years. I've been in telecoms for absolutely years since I was 16. This is, this is a whole new way now. I'm at home, there was no lockdown there. So now what am I doing? I'm spending time with the people I should have spent time with. I'm making up. I'm seeing friends, I've traveled, I've spent more time with my family. And now I'm learning to be who I am as an individual and being the person I should be. And that was, that was the mental and physical change that I had to go through. What was your mindset when you were building the business? And how was that different to your, I mean, we'll go into the now and yeah. later on, but just how has your mindset changed from back then, being an entrepreneur, yeah. being in business, to how you approach work and business now? Totally different. It's a different way of thinking. It's not the OK Corral. It's, it is not a dictatorial situation. It's a collaborative situation. I found that since I've left, that more and more and constantly more people have approached me to do different things because they see me for who I am and what I am today, rather than what I was then. My partner never liked me doing social media. He never liked me getting involved. He never liked me having the limelight. He never liked me doing certain things. And then when you come out and you start doing what you want to do, it's a whole new different ballgame. Organisationally, what does a dictatorial, narcissistic-driven culture, how does that affect an organisation, having been through that sort of place? It's a do as I say, not do as I do. I mean, you know, it's trying to run the business like a Roman Empire. It just doesn't work. And the more you try and enforce that, uh, the more you you alienate people. We had so many pe good people leave because they didn't want to be in that environment. And why would they? And more often than not, I would be putting out fires that certain people set and trying to pacify a lot of people and try and give them a cuddle and calm them down and, and, and try and get the most out of them and try and work with them. Did you ever go through a phase of thinking, it's my fault? Yes. I have to accept some responsibility. I'm a grown-ass man. I have to take some responsibility. Yeah, yeah. But does it didn't make it easier. So six months, you're up. You're you're home now. I'm guessing you're not working. I've I've got various investments in other businesses, mm -hmm. which I then started quickly, you know, making, and I had, and and I did. It was hard to adjust from being in that environment to now. Totally. Listen, you, you know, you have a routine. You've been doing this since 2006. This is like 13, 14 years of getting up at X, doing this, going gym, d d d office, blah, blah, eat, the whole thing. You go from doing 300 emails a day to doing two. You go from yeah. your phone not stopping ringing and you having to charge it six times a day to like, listen, I'm, my phone's not, no. Yes, your phone's ringing, but it's not like work. What about in terms of how you thought and how you approached things, how you thought about things? My whole mind was screwed. My whole mind, I was absolutely all over the place. In what way? When you've been in that environment, when you're doing what you're doing, you don't appreciate the situation you're in until you're out. Let's say, for example, you live on a pig farm. You become immune to that smell. Yeah. Right? But if someone comes in, you go, oh, Jesus Christ, what's going on? But when you live there, you don't smell it. That's all you know, yeah. You don't, it's because you don't know. And it's only when I started yeah. stepping back and started breathing and started looking and, and then that's like, oh, wow. This is the whole situation. Talk us through readjustment, or I mean, you mentioned before you kind of figured out who you were as a person, who yep. your trooper. Just talk us through that kind of process. I had some good friends, some really good friends, and they supported me. I have this thing that you don't become shit overnight. You know, you, you I adjusted, I adjusted what I thought, I reevaluated what was important. More importantly, what I did is I reevaluated who was important in my life. Now imagine this. You've got 100 people in your building. You're a co-owner of a business and you've helped some people in more than others in many forms or fashion. Whether it may be just employment, whether I've helped you buy your house, whether I've given you bonuses, whether I've supported you, whether I've been considerate when you needed to have time off. I've, I've had, I had people in there that had worked for me for more than the period of time. Imagine any, 
out of the hundred people, how many people do you think that actually reached out to me and go, Bab, you all right? I mean, obviously I can imagine yeah. there's a bit of, I've got my job and he's, my partner's still there and I've got a bit. How many people do you think? Having been through working with you and being given all those benefits and that kind of attention, yeah. I mean, you know, a significant number I thought would, would, would reach out and show some level of gratitude. And, You'd assume and, so, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, handful. Really? Because I remember when we had when we had the first podcast, yeah. you were talking about, and I'll, I'll never forget this. You said to me that when it comes to motivating people, I think you were told don't give cash, yeah. right? Give them stuff which they will actually really TV show off and stuff, right? And yeah. when you were talking about it, it was quite clear that there was a real ethos of, you know, rewarding stuff and, and giving them credit where it's due. But it sounds like that was in the backdrop or in the context of quite a hostile yeah. environment. But yeah, but human behaviour, it'd be, listen, here's a text and whatever and whatever. You know your value when you're not a value. <laughs> that's true, actually, yeah. Yeah, that's that a very the, good that, point. That is the truth. It's a very good point, yeah. You know yeah. your value when you have no value. You know, I know people say, well, you, you, know, you work out your worth, but you do, you really do work out your worth. I think we have, a, I think we, we come across work environments where it's so transactional. It's like, you do this and then I'll do this. Yeah. Whereas opposed to we're kind of forgotten about the common human human goodness of just reaching out to people if, even when they're going through a bad time, you know. And the thing is, you know who your friends are very quickly. What's your biggest regret when you reflect back on that period of time? My biggest regret would probably be suffering for that long. Right. When I say suffering, there was good bits and there's bad bits. I get that. But should have left or should have come out a lot sooner. Yeah. Yeah, and then obviously you went through a period of readjustment. Yep. Talk us through uh, what what then happened in terms of. Uh... So the readjustment happened, and so the first six months I'm travelling, uh, I'm going to see friends, I'm I'm all over the place. I went to the Grand Prix. Were you to... happier? Yeah, I was I, not happy, not fully getting there. I'm adjusting. I don't know what what I didn't want to feel guilty. I'm not saying it's like prison, but you are a regimented routine. What was the hardest bit? I was going to say, what was the hardest bit of, of that time? Having, of that point it, in having time? the ability to do anything. I could drop my kids to school. I never did that. I could spend. I could have my. Di I used to have dinners, and we still do have dinners at home. Never yeah. did that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm spending time with my kids. I would. I'd leave before they were up, and I'd be home after they'd finished. Listen, when you get home and your kids are kids, they they, they want to do their own thing. You, you know, it's different. It's a different world. Was there a legacy of that world that was left in you? Yeah, I think so. I think my biggest adjustment is not only did I, have I done the right thing, right? You work for something. But I'm thinking to myself, what am I doing now? What do I do now? That sense of purpose. That's what it was, wasn't it? It was never about the money. It was about sense of purpose. You're driving, you're doing something, you're growing, you're, 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 you're building something. That was always the case. What, what is your purpose now? And then lockdown happened. And that's when things changed. I saw it was an opportunity. Me and Yanni, who we're on partners with now, we'd known each other. And there was a mutual friend of ours that started doing face masks. But not just face masks that were just selling PPE. This is a branded face mask, so right. your company logo on it and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, this is a great opportunity. Companies can give their own staff mm -hmm. cloth face masks or something that they can have um, as an alternative but it's branded, or they can give them away. I started working on that, and very quickly, from home, um, the manufacturing was done in Leicester. We were branding, for businesses, we were branding face masks with logos on them for businesses and selling them to various companies. So that grew very quickly. I find it quite amazing that you speak so casually about lockdown, starting a business, yeah. right? There are many, I'm sure the vast majority of people thought, lockdown, I'm gonna stay at home, you know, um, take a break from whatever. It strikes me that your default was, here's an opportunity to actually do something. Yeah, I was bored, listen, I've, I've had six months, I'm bored, I'm done, <laughs> I've, I've, listen, I've traveled, I, and the thing is, all, the, all my flights that were due to happen were canceled because you couldn't go anywhere, I got yeah. marches with BA. Yeah. Um, so I started, I started getting involved in the face mask. So, my phone's off the hook now. It's like, can we do it for so-and-so? So we did it for brands that I'd never thought we'd do. So we did McDonald's. Really? Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. 
So UK, one of the, one of the uh, franchise holders went, um, we want them, I want to give them away to our staff. It's something better than nothing, because obviously PPE was a big problem. So we've done Pizza Go Go, we did McDonald's, we did loads of businesses, loads of construction businesses. You name it, we touched them. You know, you, we, we did brands you would not even think. But McDonald's being the, the pivotal brand. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's massive. I mean, what is it that is in your brain or, or mentally that makes you think that you can wake up in the morning? Yeah. I'm sure, and I'm sure you, you won't mind me saying it, but to have the audacity to wake up in the morning and think, you know what? I'm going to launch a business in yeah. this in this particular space, having no experience, having no... I stepped into it, and that's what happened. That's, I just literally jumped in. But the thing is, I have devised in my head, and what I do is the three Ps. The first thing is people. You must have the right people around you. That's, that's vital. It doesn't matter what you're doing, the right people. The second thing is process. You have to have the right process. So mine is, have I got the right people when I'm doing these, these face masks? Yes. Have I got the right process? Production, invoicing, paperwork, banking. Have I got the process right? Now the product is the last thing. That's the last P. I don't care what the product is because I've got to get the people and the process right. Then I'll do the product. Right. Because the product could be nappies. It doesn't matter. If you haven't got the right people around you or your your connections or your people, your customers, that right and the process is right, doesn't matter what the product is. That explains how you've got your hand in so many different quite often very different yep. pies. I mean, because I'm guessing you kind of follow that same sort of process in terms yep. of people process and, and, and products. So throughout, throughout, we're doing the face masks and through that I get introduced to another person um, and uh, that was Aaron. So Aaron Lambo. Okay, most mm. people will probably see him on, he's notorious on Facebook. He's got tattoos all over his face. You know, he's the bad boy bodybuilder and so I got introduced to him. The idea was the conjunctive idea and said, we want to do an energy drink, but you know, we need to speak, you know, let's sit around together and we'll do it together. So the idea is me, Aaron and Ollie um, sat around the table and, the, and Aaron goes, you're being recommended. You're the guy that we need to speak to, to get something like this off the ground, like ASAP Rocky, we want to do this energy drink. I went, I, I, no, <laughs> where do I start? You know, what, what, you know, we've got contacts here, there and everywhere. We did have, a few intros and I'm like, wow, okay, never done it, never done anything like this. Yeah. Never done anything like this. This is all in lockdown. So it's not like you can go and see people, it's all Zoom calls yeah. and Teams calls and you're chatting. We found, got the intro done, someone who could make it to can the product. We got someone who could label the product. We got someone that could give us the, the compound. And within 21 days from start to finish, we launched it. 21 days? took me 21 days to launch an energy drink. The reason why, first things first, was the people around me were right. Yeah. I got the process buttoned down, and then the product was last. That's pretty impressive. So we did, our first run was 10,000 cans. And wow. we sold out in four days. Practically, when you look back at the strategy and how you did the marketing and how you actually ran that, yeah. if you were to pick the one or two key things, obviously beyond the people and the process, what is that kind of, when you look back on it, what is it that you feel like was the biggest lever for success? The lever for success is for the three, the individuals within the business knew their place in what they were good at. Right. You know, you, when you put 11 players on the pitch, you don't have 11 strikers. Mm. Everyone needs to play their part. Where businesses fail is because someone wants to be the striker and they're not the striker. The sooner people realise their place, it's like me and Yanni, okay? We're partners, we're chalk and cheese. He does what he does, I do what I do. There's no egos involved with my old business partner. When you put away egos and you actually work with the people that are doing what they're good at, that makes the difference. So me and Yanni are different. He does what he does, I do what I do, and we're a yin and a yang and it works. Because there's no egos. I don't have the big, hold on, I want to be a YouTube star and I want to be in the videos and I want to be on the BBC. It doesn't work. That We have a, we have a place. And the sooner you mentally, physically realise, okay, look, know your strengths, work with your strengths, the better. So when me, Aaron and Ollie are doing this, you know, the energy drink, we know our strengths. Ollie's great at web and marketing mm -hmm. and he's doing that. Aaron's the face. He's the one that's going to go and shout about it. And I'm doing all the process. Mm -hmm. I'm the ops guy. So most places that I've done, I've, businesses I've involved in, I'm, I'm normally the COO. So, you know, I'm 
operations. I'm doing everything that makes that product get to that place. When you've spent so long in that narcissistic, horrible, toxic environment, you think you know what's right. Yeah. Obviously it's not right, but you know at that point in time you think this is normal. Yeah. And then you flip to an environment where it's very different. Mm. How do you know what is right and what is wrong? Well, first, was it like someone sort of shook you and said, that's not right? Or what, what, what is it? I had two very close friends. They guided me a lot and they knew what I went through. And you don't realize the, the situation you're in, but you have to shake yourself up. And listen, there was tears. I was upset. I was broken. But you had to be strong. Listen, you know, you know, I didn't want to worry my wife and the kids and going, oh, hold on a second, what's going on? You know, so you have to be, you, you know, it's something I had to sort of get a grip of. But yeah, it was difficult. It was difficult because you, your confidence is knocked. If someone tells you for several years or someone tells you, if you go home and your wife tells you every day you're rubbish, every day you're yeah. rubbish. And, and, I, and I flipped it the other way around. If you went home every day and told your wife that she's horrible, she, her cooking's horrible, she doesn't clean the house, and you keep moaning at her, moaning at her, moaning at her, and then you go home one Friday night, and she's got her bags packed at the front door. Why are you surprised? What, you think someone's just gonna tolerate that? And it wasn't like you say, it wasn't like at 3.30 p.m. It was, it was over, it was the constant culmination of, yeah. that, kind of, of that kind of thing. And I, I suppose what I find amazing is that you were able to you're able to kind of like redefine what normal is. You don't realize what normal is until you realize what normal is. And that's the thing, until you're out. How do you know what ice cream tastes like if you've never had it? Yeah. So it was you leaving that environment, you starting up these companies and, 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 and you realize, and actually, this is, this is the right way of doing it. And, I don't and know what I'm doing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you know something? It was scary, but actually I know what I'm doing now. So we did an energy drink and then it was successful. We did it again, we made more, we made more. We're up to a quarter of a million cans. Hold on a second. <laughs> this is a monster. Literally, we're going, you know, this is great. And then we, and we kept on driving and lockdown happened and that's what drove that part of what we did. And, and then based on that, I then set up a marketing business, knowing that people wanted help and marketing and social media. I got my wife involved. We were doing marketing for various companies, brands. I did things for Slazinger, I did things for Aston Martin, I did things for Porsche. Um, you name it, we did it. So we've, we've become a creative agency all of a sudden. What drives you, Bav? Fa you know, face masks, energy drinks, now a, a marketing company. Yeah. I kind of asked it last time, yeah. but what is it, man? I just think I'm wired like that. I'm, I'm, just, I'm driven. I don't sleep. I want. I want to do things. I don't. I'm, I get bored, and I, you know, I want to get stuff done. I just. I just can't be entrepreneur. And, and this is what winds me up sometimes. A lot of people go, "Oh well, I'm an entrepreneur," and I'm like, "Well, define what an entrepreneur is. Explain to me what an entrepreneur is, because I've done what I've done. I think I could use that title quite easily and say I am an entrepreneur. You give me whatever. I can sell whatever you want me to sell. I can set up a business, you know, and do what I, what needs to be done. But people use that word very loosely these days." I think it's become a, a catch-all for anyone who's doing uh, listen, any kind of... Uh, listen, if, if, if I can go and do tomorrow morning some drop shipping, <laughs> um, I call myself an entrepreneur. No, you, it doesn't work that yeah. way. And I think that's in me. And that goes back to when I was growing up. You worked and you... But I, ex I get excited. I, get in, I enjoy it. I actually enjoy what I do now. It's not work. Yeah. This is not work. Where, where does that line come from in terms of Bab, that line between being happy and content yep. versus wanting more. It's very blurred. I refuse to chase the money because I don't think that's the way you become successful. Being successful sometimes means you make no money. I've done deals where I've made no money, but it's led me to things and that's important. People often say to me, what's the quickest way to make money? And I went to think about not making money. <laughs> that's how you make money. Don't think about making money. Because if you're thinking about making money, you're not going to focus on what you actually need to do. And that's the fundamental difference. One of the questions I get asked a lot is, how do I make money really quickly? And two, what industry should I go mm -hmm. into to make money? And my answer to these people is, actually, I heard it's amazing money being a brain surgeon. And they go, oh, oh, is it? Yeah. So can you not be a brain surgeon? No, I don't think I can. Well, exactly. So why don't you figure out what you're good at first? 
Because there's, there's great money in being a runner. There's great money working in a, in a shop. There's great money in lots of things. But what are you good at? What I'm good at is different to what you're good at. I think Babs did a, an, an interview a few weeks ago and he was saying that he realised that where there was money was where he was good at something and also what he enjoyed as well. Yeah. And he, he, was, he was reflecting on his, his, his last few ventures and he was saying that his most successful business is the one that he actually felt like he was enjoying it and he was good at. Listen, you could be a celebrity chef. Great money in that but I can't cook for toffee. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So what's the point? So I'm sitting there going, oh yeah, well, listen, great money being a chef, but great, not yeah, like me. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. This is what yeah. I'm saying. So you have to find what you're good at. And what I'm good at is people process, product, putting things together, working with the right people, seeing the angles, looking at the opportunities, and moulding it. That's the thing, that's the key. How do you discover that, Beth? I mean, I, I get the exact same, same thing from, from, from young people. It's like, you know, you talk so much about being passionate about what you do and being good at what you do, yeah. but how do I do that? The first thing is, you've got to have an open mind. You've got to be willing to be accepting of everything. And you've got to be willing to listen and learn. If you're not willing to listen and learn, and you've got this way, and only 1% of, I want to do it my way will work, you're lost, you're done, you're lost. It's never going to work. People don't want to graft. They don't want to learn. They don't want to potentially do the the hard work. But if you want to go and own and manage a pub, you need to be first working in the pub to pull the pints. People don't want to do that. They want to miss the steps. That's the environment they're in right now. Social media stuff doesn't kind of, you know, the whole instant gratification thing. And, you know, we want to jump straight to the fruits of the labour without, without doing the actual yeah, work. But the thing is, people today think they can jump steps mm. and it doesn't work and and you know I, I saw it the other day and, and it's like I had the same conversation with my son and it's about oh yeah but I'll never do that in maths I've never used that in life I guess look when you're going to school college and I've, I, I listened to someone else said this when you're going to school and college and you're, you're doing education what you're teaching your you know what you're saying to your employer is you can get up you can do this you can listen to instructions and you can perform right you might not use those skills, but you, you are teaching, you're learning a process. Moving on from there, we, we did the energy drink and that, that bubbles on, create a marketing agency. And then an opportunity presented itself to me around a competition business. So uh, a company come to me and said, look, we want to do this. We want you to help market it. We want you to do this and we want it to do this. And I was like, okay. So they approached us. I said, well, I'll tell you what we could do. This is the opportunity. Why don't I speak to my friend Yanni because he might be a perfect fit for this business and we might be able to put this together and it might fast track what you want to do. So I sat down with Yanni and said, look, this is the opportunity. This is what we want to do. And it was initially around the competition business. Let me get involved and we'll, we'll do this. And very quickly, um, we bought out the other people. Oh, wow, okay. And me and Yanni restructured the whole business, so the, the wrapping business, the merchandising business, the media business, the whole thing. I, we created a group structure um, where me and Yanni became partners in, in the holding company and we now successfully own together the Yanomise group. Which is huge, obviously, and, and you know, a sample will go into it, but how do you, I mean, you, you were talking about earlier, how do you guys complement each other? We have our own skills. Where businesses fail and where partnerships fail is when there's egos. Where businesses fail is you don't do what's right for the business, you are trying to do what's right for you. Mm -hmm. When you take that ego and strip it back and when you take back what you need to do for the business and the wider group, that's when you succeed. There's been situations where I might want to do certain things and not do certain things, but we have a conversation and go, yeah, actually, right, yeah. That's what we should be doing for the greater good. And people's mentality around the greater good is what you need to focus on, not what you want as a personal brand and what you want as an individual. It's what, what's the common goal. When you reflect on you know, the continuous success of the brand and, and, and the constant growth, what have been the sort of ingredients, if you like, the success so far? Obviously having a great partnership is great, but what else would you say has been you know, instrumental in the growth of the brand so far? Total truth and honesty. We don't get it right every time. I'm not right every time. He's not right every time. We both get things wrong. It's being brutally honest. And putting your hands up. One thing is, you cannot be wrong and strong. It will never work. 
and this is a good saying my you know my good friend Anton taught me you can't be wrong and strong the sooner you put your hands up and say yep I messed up the better and it's painful and you have to learn to do this but you have to do it being the person who's um, been involved with the actual content I'm guessing and the social media organization and the actual marketing side it's very clear that the brand is everywhere. When you take a step back and look at this sort of strategy for marketing, what is that you that you think has, has, has worked quite I well? I wouldn't say it's just the marketing strategy. I think it's a business strategy. It's, 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 the, it's the brand strategy. You know, a lot of the marketing uh, and a lot of the videos and a lot of the content is um, what comes out of Yanni's head, what the team and Gus and the team do. Um, Gus is amazing. He's got... Uh, he's got the vision, a lot of the stuff that he had. I mean, I wouldn't think of half the stuff as some of the things I do. So I can't take credit for that element of it. What have we done? So you, you look at the brand. So I uh, had a conversation with the Frasers group, who uh, I have a relationship with, and we launched the clothing. So we went into all the nice Sports Direct stores with, and he gave me Everlast. So he said, we're gonna do a collab. We'll give you the biggest boxing brand in the world to go with the animals. So These are huge brands. I mean, you know, huge, huge. I mean, did you think when you were first starting up with Yanni and this whole thing, did you think it would, it would explode the way it exploded? Um, yes and no, but I had the relationships with people. So mm. I know, you know, I have had the relationships with certain individuals and, and it, you sort of, they trust you. So if I'm involved, there's trust. The brand is solid as it is, added a bit more flavor and it's amazing. So we, we launched the clothing into Sports Direct and I, and I, I thought, yeah, this is quite a good gig. All the Sports Direct stores, we've got our clothing in there. It's Everlast, it's amazing, we did the launch. Now that's another thing. So here's me saying, well, we need to do a launch, a meet and greet with Yanni, the launch, the product, whatever. And I was thinking, you know, we'll do the Sports Direct store in Free and Barnet or Enfield <laughs> or whatever. We're like, yeah, we'll, do, we'll do a little story, a little meet and greet. And I'm chatting to the team at uh, Fraser, they go, no, 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 no. We, we, we want you to do it at, uh, we want you to do it in London. i tell you what we want you to do, and i tell you what you, I said, I said, you wanted to do a meet and greet? I said, yeah, no problem. And I said, when do you want to do it? He goes, well, you do whatever you want. I was like, okay. He goes, what we're thinking is we do it, it's half term next week, or a week, I think it was two weeks ago. It's half term. How about Saturday afternoon in half term? I said, where? He went, Oxford Street. The flagship store. Flagship store. <laughs> <laughs> went, are you sure branded up three cars with everlast on them so three colors because our clothing is in three colors we did gray black and, and, and blue and we shut down oxford street Blimey. on saturday afternoon we put three cars on the pavement outside sports direct they shut the store down closed to launch the clothing now it's never happened. Never. You can't. This doesn't happen. I remember that moment. Yeah. There was there was a buzz. There was an excitement. There was a sense of this, this is pretty cool. Like I want to be there. Yeah. Right. How do you do that, man? How do you create that sense of desire to want to be affiliated to a brand? You saw the results, right? Yeah. Store, exit. That's what we all see, right? So but we. But the I, several meetings. In like if you could pull the, the curtain back a little bit. I, I, I obviously you can't tell us everything, but if you just pull the curtain back a little bit. Yeah. What was the thought process driving a lot of those decisions that then led to those results? We wanted the brand out there. I would like to call it the Beckham effect, okay? And the Beckham effect, a lot of people may not know this and how it works, is you don't need to be into football or know anything about football, but you know you know the name David yeah. Beckham. Simple as that. Now, Yanomise is an amazing, well-known brand in the car automotive sector. What we want to do is put that brand out into the sector and out of the sector. So if you don't even know anything about Yanomise, you will. You will see it. And if you don't know about cars, you'll, you will. you'll know it. Well, the average Sports Direct customer may not even know anything about cars, but he's now gone in there, he's gone as an Everlast jumper there with Yanomise <laughs> yeah. on it. What's that? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So yeah. if you're not buying it because it's got Yanomise on it, you're buying it because it's got Everlast on it. Either way, we've got hundreds of thousands of articles, uh, um, garments out there in the world with people wearing it and it's got Yanomise on it. That's the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to get the brand to as many places and as many eyeballs as you can physically see. Bav, I wanna, I wanna touch on something you said on the podcast last time and it really struck me, which was you said to me that, I asked you, what are you most proud of? Yeah. And you said one word, you said time. Mm. 
time is your biggest achievement. Tell me more about that. Why? What, what did you mean by that? And, and why is that such a big thing for you? While I was at Genuine Solutions, I sacrificed time with family, with friends, with events, because work was priority number one. Because I was building something. This is going to be the future. This is going to be build it, legacy, sell it, you, you know, riding off into the sunset. So I gave it all. And that's what I do. If I get involved in something, if I invest in a business, I give it all. I don't just dip in, dip out. I'm in. I'm 100% in. I can remember being on holiday and I'm on the phone and I'm, I'm in the hotel room working when the kids are downstairs. And I'm, I've given up a lot. I gave up my time. How did you reconcile that with your family? Like in the sense that, how do you keep going? I'm guessing not everyone obviously shares that, that same yeah. passion or that same drive as you. And how do you you know, keep going forward and, and at the same time trying to, I suppose, in some way, keep everything, keep all those balls spinning? When you've got a level mindset and you're not under that situation, your brain, the way you think, is different the pressure's off not in the the mental pressure is off the anxiety is dialed down the apprehension is dialed down you know if you're in a relationship and you've got an abusive partner you're in a situation as soon as you come out of that your mental state after a, a, a bit of time changes mm -hmm. so it's an adjustment you know i don't wake up feeling anxious i don't feel the anxiety i've calmed down I'm, I can think a lot clearer. How did that play out practically for you when you were in that place, when you were anxious, scared, whatever it was, practically in your day-to-day -day life, how was it that was, it, it was being played out? You're constantly second-guessing the situation. You're, you're constantly thinking two, three steps ahead, aren't you? What will happen if I do that, say that, and do it that way? You're constantly doing that, and that's the way you think. That became normal for you? Yeah, of course. You, become three, you, you start thinking three steps ahead, which is not a bad thing. And when you can start thinking yeah. of any situation, you're thinking two, three steps ahead. The only difference is now what I, I find is that because I know the inevitable outcome in a lot of situations, I probably don't explain the, the process to people around me what I believe the inevitable outcome Right. Because I already know. I said, listen, that never worked. I get business plan after business plan and, and I get lots of opportunities thrown at me and I go, that will never work. That will never work. And that will never work because of that, that, that and that. And I know I've actually worked, I, I, can, I can see it or I can very quickly rip something apart and go, have you thought about this? For me, time and what I've got today, like now, I'll give you a prime example. Today I had a meeting in Leicester and then I, I saw my friend and I've got the time to do that. I would have never had that time before, which in turn has allowed me to do a lot more, ironically. Tell us more about that in terms of what was that mean? It's, 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 allowed you, it's allowed you to be more able to do other stuff. I've got a clearer thinking head. I can, I, it's not foggy. I'm not second guessing anything. I'm not anxious. So by slowing down. I'm actually busier. <laughs> That's really interesting. I'm actually slowed down and <laughs> I'm busier. I'm busier doing things that I want to do, I like to do. I was gonna say what I enjoy. What drives, yeah, what, what drives it? Is it based on what you've got a passion for, what you've got an interest in, what you're good at? I'm not working. This is not work. This is, this, <laughs> this is not work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Listen, you know, elements that you do is is all day, every day. But this is this is on the general gist of it. It's, it's bloody good fun. <laughs> I was going to ask you later, but last now, what does the typical day in the life of Bab look like? I know obviously every day is different, but talk us through a, 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 an average day, man. So usually up in the morning, first thing, six six thirty, um, like in the gym. The boys are running around. They're getting to college and school and whatever. I'd then go into the more often than not, I'd go into the office, sit down with the team, what we're doing, what they've got. They're quite organised. I have things in place. I, I look at what needs to be done. I look at what campaigns or what things we're looking at doing, what calls I need to make, what opportunities I need to sort of look at. And I'm more or less there all day. What allows you to stay organised and stay on top of things? One of the biggest things I have and one of the biggest things that works well is me and Lou, my wife, have a shared calendar. Right. Everything's in there. Work, personal, you name it, it's in there. We, she knows what I'm doing, I know what she's doing. So our family lives are balanced. So when the boys needed this, this, we, we just know. So if, if my youngest son's got cricket practice, I know he's got cricket practice because yeah. I can actually do it now. Yeah. Before it yeah, never yeah, been, yeah. It's, it's, my wife dealt with all of it. 
like you know now I can actually be involved in it. Do you struggle to find balance still? Do you find you've got that sort of happy sort of yeah, um, medium now? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've got a, a good balance because I've created the balance with time. Sorry, and then you, you were talking about your sort of um, day-to-day life. So obviously you've you've yeah. had your calls. You've, yeah. You've, so uh, a norm, in the normal day, I've had my uh, you know I'm in the office. I'm doing stuff in the office. I try and split my day up. Now there's two parts of running a business. There's in the business and on the business. In the business is your day-to-day. The doing. The doing, the doing. On the business is the planning and the strategy. That part, a lot of people neglect. They get stuck in the day-to-day and they don't realise. You've won the battle, but you haven't won the war. And what people don't realise is that you need to be on the business and look at the strategic part of the business most days. What sort of questions would you be typically asking yourself or would, would someone want to be asking themselves when it comes to working on the business as opposed to working in the business? So from the financial element, from your team, how are you going to grow? You just don't need, you don't need to expand your team just because you decided today. You know the workload. You know what you need in three months' time. You know in three months' time, I need to employ another person to do this job. You know the market trends. You know we've got car care products in the market. We know what is going to change. We know what exhibitions are going to happen. We know what brand deals we want to do. We know what um, things we want to sponsor. So we are thinking ahead. So we're doing a sponsorship agreement with someone which is for September, October. Wow. Okay. It's quite, so, yeah. so, so as much as it's in the business, it's also yeah. on the business. So strategically, I'm mapping things out financially planning and looking at it on a long-term perspective and looking at opportunities because putting in clothing in Sports Direct doesn't happen in a couple of weeks. These things take time and planning. You say it so casually, like, you know, these these brand deals and, and these companies and stuff, right? And it just rolls off your tongue. But it, I think that does an injustice to the mindset yeah. and the work ethic that have gone into creating those opportunities. Just talk us through what are the um, ingredients mindset wise that have led these huge opportunities and um, in terms of the practical things that you've done that have led to those opportunities? I've learned very quickly that in any negotiation, in any deal, you both have to win. Right. If, if, if we did something together and you walked out of this room and you went, you know, I don't... I'm doing it and I'm begrudging it or I didn't think it's not it's not fair. If you don't win, I don't win. Mm. I can't have the whole, the whole cake. It doesn't work. When you're doing deals, what the skill is, is to work out what your needs are and then work it backwards right. and see if they actually work. Now, I've just had a, a great meeting with Mercedes-Benz World, right? So I've gone in there and I've gone, guys, we would love to do a car meet. We would love to do a yanomized car meet. And they're like, well, well do you know something? Our diaries are packed, you know, we're, we're a big organisation, we'd love to do something. I said, okay, so first conversation is, what do you need? What, is your, what are your pinch points? What do you need to achieve? But it's not about me. Let me talk mm-hmm. to you about what you need to achieve. Then let me see if I can help you achieve those goals. Yeah. They had a need. They wanted to achieve something. We helped fulfil that achievement. They wanted a younger demographic into their stores. That's what they wanted to achieve. They wanted the social media. They wanted the hooray. They wanted the whole launch plan. They wanted the meet and greets. They wanted something. We just happened to then fill that gap with a product. So it's working with a brand, working with companies and people that you can mutually benefit. Then you both win and it's successful. Because if I turn around and if I'm selling a product to you and I'm making little or nothing. You've screwed me down that much and I'm like doing this for, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'll do it, but am I going to give it any love? And mm-hmm. am I looking for somewhere else to sell that product or do something with someone else? Because you're doing it, but you, listen, it's great, but not great. We're so driven, right, to go into these conversations to figure out what we want out of it as opposed to figuring out what the other person might get out of it. And uh, That's the first thing I say. What do you need? What's your goal? Because I know what mine is, but that's easy. I can thrust that on you and listen, we're a powerful brand and you're going to say yes to whatever within reason. But I'm thinking, what do you need? What yeah, do you want yeah. to achieve? Yeah. Because if we can work together in harmony, that would actually benefit both of us in an equal way, what we're trying to achieve and what you need to achieve. In business, full stop, is 
equal harmony. Uh, going back to your sort of day in the life of and, and, and just focus on um, your daily habits. Yeah. Uh, what, what is it that kind of keeps you on form, keeps you productive, keeps you always, you know, and making as, po as much as possible the right decisions. Yeah. When you look, when you think about your life and, and what practical things you do, you obviously you mentioned you train, you go to the gym. What else? What is it that you do that kind of keeps you keeps you going? I think routine, the gym, makes a massive difference to me. And I also try and do things that you then take you out of thinking about anything that you're what you're doing. I'll give you a prime example. On Monday, I did a track day. Now, when you're on the track, you cannot think of anything but the car in front of you, the car behind you, and the track. Yeah, yeah. So days like that, I carve out because that day, I cannot, I don't think about anything else but what I'm actually doing. The other thing I do... Well, what does that do? Sorry? Why is that such a valuable... It gives you a bit of a rest. gives right. you a reset. gives your brain, right. like, hold on a second. I'm just thinking about that because it's something you're doing. The other thing is Lego. Lego? Yeah. Big fan of Lego. Really? Yeah, massive. What is it about Lego? Because you can't think of anything else. When you're putting those pieces together, you're not thinking of everything else. You're thinking about whether, because I'm not going to screw this up. I'm not going to get to the end of the 3,000, 4,000 piece Lego and go, oh damn, I didn't do it right. That is so interesting. I've never come across anyone. I've built loads. Um, I've built my uh, you know, GT3 RS, the Enzo. I've done a lot of style. I've done loads, absolutely loads. I've spent thousands of pounds on Lego. Just to be clear, the reason that you do this is so it keeps you focused. Focused and I obviously enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it takes me out of my comfort zone. It's like, listen, you just have to focus on this page. This page, that piece, find it and get on with it. And your time goes like that. Hours, you will just disappear. But your brain is just this. Wow. And that takes you out. Because... As much as people say, well, you don't think when you sleep and you can do that. No, rubbish. You're always thinking. If you're driven, you're always thinking. You're that's always what I mean. Like, I feel like that's often a struggle for people, for, for people to, you know, go on holiday and fully switch off. I just don't think it's, a, it's possible, but you can somewhat tone the volume down, maybe? Yeah, within reason. You know? But not really. <laughs> yeah. Not really. But when you do certain activities, you have to be on that. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. it's like sport. If you're playing... If you're playing football, you can't be sitting there as you're running up and down the pitch and think that's why certain activities are good to have set in yeah. place. Yeah, when it comes to, 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 to business and, and especially the, the, ones, the ones that you've been involved in, you know, meeting the queen, getting awards, huge brand deals, you know, reaching huge levels of high in social media, it, all the, the various achievements that you've, that you've managed to be involved in, you know, and be a part of. Is it the case, Bav, that you, it's like a, I've done that, move on to the next one, done that, move on to the next one. Is that is that how it is for you? Like how? Initially, it's get involved very heavily, mm -hmm. build the process, get the right people, product, get it all set, and then you can slowly step back a little bit. Yeah. But initially, you have to be all in, right? So yeah. once, so a lot of parts of the business that I run and various other businesses, I don't need to be there day to day. Yeah. Because I've set them up. And they're, and they're running and they're, and they're driving. And I need to go in there and tweak and every now and then and be involved in it from yeah. a sideline perspective, but I don't need to be. And when you begin, do you have that end point in mind? Like when you begin no, a business? No, is, you, is, know, you just know. But initially people, you have to be prepared to graft. And yeah. Get it in and do it. You can't manage anyone doing a job if you've never done it yourself. If you know it takes 10 minutes to move 10 bricks from there to there, you know how long it's going to mm. take someone else. You have to have tolerance because they're never going to do it as well or as quickly as you want it done or the way you do it. Most of the things that I get people to do, I've done. Other than certain skills, I don't do video editing, for example. But I know from experience, from what people have done in front of me, because I've paid attention, how long yeah. things take. Yeah. Before I come on to the last question, um, obviously you mentioned before people, process, and then obviously product. Yep. One of the common challenges that I think is out there is hiring. I'm sure you've obviously hired your fair number of people. What would be your sort of advice for anyone out there who's about to begin hiring their first person or they're having trouble finding the right people? Let me put it another way. So when I'm when people come to me and looking, they've come to me because they've come to an interview, the common mistakes people make, they don't even know or they've not done the research. Now, we're in a world today where it's all online, okay? I've had so many people come for an interview and they go, do you know what we do? Do you know the, what we, how, what, where? And they go, no, not really. I went, why not? Why would you not research the, the person you're sat in front of? 
Why would you not look at their social media? Why would you not look on company's house? Why would you not look at the company's website? The website Why yeah. would you not do everything? If you really want that job, you do your homework. Because if you don't do your homework, you're basically telling me you just want a job. I don't want people that just want the job. Mm-hmm. I don't want people. Uh, the first thing of my P's is people. I want the right people. I don't want people that want a job or treat me like a stepping stone. I want people to be wanting to work and get involved and be on a journey. This is a big journey. I don't need people that just want a job and they say 601 and I'm off. Mm-hmm. That's from people that want to look for a job and the way they present themselves and the way they do their research. I respect people that come to an interview that have questions and that have actually made the effort and written them down. Anyone with half a brain that does an interview will, will say, well, have you got any questions? And if you don't have any questions, that's just telling me you mm-hmm. don't even care. Yeah. Have times changed, Bev? In the sense that to succeed now, yeah. you can't just do the very the, the, the very basic minimum yeah. of, your, of your job. I feel like it's such a competitive world now. It's a place where, you know, and, and because opportunities are so, so vast, right? Any company will go through certain levels of instability, right? And at some point in your life, you will go through redundancy or losing your job or whatever it is, right? But I feel like we live in such a world whereby you have to, be able and be willing to go the extra mile to seek whatever stability looks like. Whereas before, I'm not sure what it was like, you know, maybe say 20, 30 years ago, where you could just turn up to work, do the very basic minimum and then... It was a job for life. Yeah. It was a job for life. You know, I remember my, my parents saying to me with pride, oh, you've been at your company for this long, well done. Like, you know, like that, 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 that's a good thing, whatever good Here's looks God like. Yeah, yeah, right? Whereas now it's different, right? It is different you know, the lockdown and, and people working from home. Quiet quitting. I think that's the phrase I've come across is, yeah. uh, you know, people kind of like silently resigning or silently doing the very minimum because they want to go and do something else maybe, you know, I think yeah. it's becoming quite quite, quite the norm now. And I, and I think the, your career path and your career journey is heavily impeded if you have the mindset that you only want to work from home. Let's get into it, man. Let's get into it. No, I, I, listen, I'm, I'm all, listen I, I went through the whole lockdown, the whole employment, the whole working from home and all the rest of it. It has its place, but you need to be open-minded. You can't just say, oh, I only want to work from home and I want to work from home. You need to be willing, flexible if you want to progress in your career. As a company owner, Bav, yeah. enlighten, for those that are listening, the perspective of it as a, as a company owner, if and when you've got employees who are very, very um, set on working from home, what, just give us the perspective as a company owner, what does that do? You're not willing to be collaborative physically and with people. In the marketing arena, in a marketing perspective, you need to be surrounded by people when you're collaborating and creating. It's, it's absolutely vital. It's hard to be collaborative when you're you on Zoom or Teams, right? Exactly, yeah, it's you know, so true, yeah. In a, yeah. In, a, in a marketing, when you're flying and throwing out ideas, if I'm sitting at my desk and I go, I've got an idea, and I look up and I go, I've got an idea, and you're there. It never, it, it doesn't actually happen, does it? I mean, it's like, You know, yeah. you don't go, I've got an idea, should yeah. we Zoom something? Yeah. Or unmute. <laughs> yeah. uh, is anyone on the Zoom? Uh, can we have a Zoom call? Yeah. Doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a, in a marketing environment, there is a, some marketing parts of the job you can, but if in a creative environment, no, doesn't work. As an employer, I think if you're going to go for a job, you need to be fully willing to be in the office five days a week. If the culture of the business is, I'm quite happy for you to work from home a couple of days. That's cool, but you need to be willing to be in that office. Your initial thought shouldn't be, how many days can I work from home? Your initial thought is, I'm going for a job. I'm going to this work. I'm going to this company. But it's a it's it's a perk if you were to, yeah, as opposed to it being a kind of an expectation. Exactly. It shouldn't be. Oh, I'm going to work from home. How many days do I have to come into the office? It should be the other way around. But every business, every sector is different, so it's not one size fits all. Yeah. Finally, uh, Bav, on the 18th of April, you put an Instagram story out asking people what would their legacy be. What would you want your legacy to be? My legacy would probably be making sure my family looks after. It's family first, everything else is second. I don't need my name on a plaque or a wall. I want to make sure my family and their family and families after that are looked after. That's, that's legacy. That's making sure you did the best you could for your family and the closest and the nearest and dearest around you. Because I t- like, like I said to you, when I came out of that hospital 
and I can say to you there's a handful of people that actually cared. And when I left Genuine Solutions and there's a handful of people that left you, that's not the gazillion Instagram followers, is it? It wasn't that, was it? It wasn't all the people on TikTok or all the people on Twitter and all the Facebook fans and followers. It wasn't all that. It's a handful of people. So you do good by them. That's your legacy. You live with them. You make sure your family are well. You make sure your family are looked after and you, you keep it real with the people around you, the close people around you. Obviously, you know, there's just so many, so many amazing bits this part two, as well as there was with the part one as well. But um, genuinely, I feel like we've now done a much more better service to your uh, to your many years in the industry and, and your life experience, man. And um, I could feel the uh, goosebumps as, you, as, you, as you're talking about your hospital situation. I can't help but feel like with most things in life, it takes really, really big lows to then rise up again and as horrible as that sounds i feel like the toughest moments in our life can end up being our huge and biggest assets there's a part to that that i think is so resonant with your with your life so and once again man thank you so much for sharing your story yeah, i appreciate man. that but i think you know what if we leave it as a lasting thought is the fact that we as humans have the innate ability of taking things so much for granted and that's the reality I, ne I nearly died and for the first few weeks first few months you think you adjust but then you get back to your normal routine and you take it for granted does it ever still come into your mind yeah yeah so it, i dodged a bullet what does that do Beth? well that short period of time you have a rethink and you think yeah you know second chance you, you you know you dodged a bullet i'm not unique it happens to a lot of people but you end up thinking you just a couple of minutes of your thoughts and you go yeah look you know let's crack on because gratefulness is, I mean, it's, it's talked about quite fashionably, right? Be grateful. Mm. But I don't think people actually fully appreciate how valuable it can be. I mean, take stock of what you've actually got in your life as opposed to constantly seeking more and more and more. Yeah. You've probably got way more than the average person. Yeah. We take things, people and life for granted. That's, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So powerful. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. You're welcome.